Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Before you skip the ads or before you do anything crazy, please stop and listen. We're giving away another set of Supergrip ATV K9 tires. The best way for you to enter the Supergrip ATV tire giveaway is to go on our Facebook. Make for make sure that you like the Supergrip ATV Facebook page. Um, the Racing on the Rocks Facebook page and subscribe to us on Apple Podcast and YouTube for extra entries and just share that post. It's the first post on our page. Super easy. The Supergrip ATV tires are the world's best tire, in my opinion. They've been absolutely awesome for me. And I don't know if you've seen them on our social media, but they're a mean, mean tire when they get cut. They look like they get can grab anything. So if you're looking for like a super high performance tire that you can just rail all day long, the Supergrip ATV K9 tire is it, and you can take it to the next level by going to check out the mini Tennessee cut that's being done on these tires. It's pretty crazy how they much they look like uh, the Big Bouncer Super Swamper tires. But in the event that you don't want to do that, the Super Grip ATV tire is an excellent tread pattern, excellent performing tire right from the get-go. SuperGripATV.com on Facebook and Instagram. Reach out to your local retailer, see them if they have them in stock. They probably don't because everybody wants them. Next on the list is Dynajet Research Inc. Dynojet is awesome because they gave my 1000 XP more power lots more power in fact um i run their uh power vision 3 tuner sorry drawing a blank you guys i'm doing this in the middle of a work day don't recommend it my brain is in work mode and it's time to party so the power vision 3 tuner is an excellent upgrade to your vehicle one reason if you're like me i'm a big nerd i'm a software engineer by trade i can log all of the statistics and all of the data that's actually happening on my machine and custom build my own tune using the software that they provide. All I gotta do is upload it to my PowerVision 3 tuner and get it done from there. Or if you wanna trust someone smarter than yourself, like I definitely would, I would give it my best bet and probably blow my engine up. However, you can you can mail your PowerVision 3 tuner, get the correct tune uploaded to it, or even better, just download one from the respective uh, tuning website. I know Aftermarket Assassins, Evo, everyone, they all use the PowerVision 3 tuner. Highly recommend it. And check out their, their clutch kits while you're there. Fully customizable clutch kits are the only way to make sure you get exactly what you want tailored to your style of riding. Dynojet Research Inc. on Facebook and Dynojet Research on Instagram. Okay, next, Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. We didn't meet the other weekend to get these shocks figured out, and uh, I'm kind of bummed about it, but, 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 it's going to work out. I know it will, because I see how happy everyone else is. Uh, Grubicon, the Stretch JL Buggy Wrangler Wide Open Design Built, Diddy's Big Block Revalve, those shocks, you see how well that car works. There's a lot of different things that Diddy's Big Block can do. They are your number one provider for all Mark Williams products. And if you just need some work done and you're in the area, Chris over at Diddy's will take your ride and convert it to whatever finished stage you want him to. Whether it's fine-tuning the suspension, doing a chassis build, even down to fine-tuning wiring, plumbing, he can take your build from 0 to 100 or from 95 to 100. Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Instagram and Facebook. Tell him I sent you. 
He's an awesome dude to work with. He's actually out there with uh, Shock Jesus right now, getting get going going back to Shock School. So he's just getting smarter and smarter as the time goes on. Super happy, super happy to have that guy on board. Uh, next is irate four x four. So back in the day, there used to be this really cool four x four website where everyone would post up their rigs and all this and that. So look, UTV wise, uh, I never, I never had a place to go look at builds and things like that. When I was in my Jeep days, I really enjoyed doing that. Also, I really enjoyed hearing what people had to say to each other about their choice of builds. Uh, irate four x four is a place where you can really either uh, go dish it out, tell them your opinion, or give some strong advice. Uh, irate4x4.com is a really cool place to go see a variety of different builds. Irate4x4 is on Facebook and Instagram. They're posting their build stuff all the time that show up on their website. I highly recommend it. Haven't started my build uh, thread over there yet, but it will only be a matter of time before it all gets done. So I'm really happy that they're on board because that is your number one reliable information source for your full-size trailer, UTV, uh, you know, toy hauler, camper, you know, full builds, everything can be found at irate 4 x 4 irate 4 xcom and they're also doing some awesome philanthropy events right now uh, for a wounded wheeler. Please go check that out. irate4x4.com and irate4x4 on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, who we got next? We got all things UTV next. How could I forget? Uh, this is where I go get my axles, all my suspension components, pretty much everything that's not tires, lighting, and performance. Uh, I really like to shop at all things UTV. Not only do I know that I'm going to get some crazy low prices, seriously, y'all, I got my wheels from there, uh, my limit straps, the inner fender liners, my Razor Aid tender springs. And I had talked to Dustin and I was like, hey man, did you ring it, you know, like, is everything right? And yeah, everything was good and square. Everything showed up. I felt like I paid half of what I should have paid. So I'm so excited to have those guys on board. Uh, Dustin and his team are the best when it comes to customer service, getting everything shipped out on time, promptly, everything you can think of, all things UTV gets the job done. So if you're in need of parts, Check out allthingsutv.com and allthingsutv on Facebook and Instagram. And last but not least, it is Infinite Offroad, www.infiniteoffroad.com, the best place to get your light bars and light pods. Uh, one thing that they did want me to mention this week is they now have magnetic rock lights. So if you want to move them from car to car, that's an option. Or you don't have the perfect place to mount them, or if you're running a buggy and you're looking to get some rock lights, Problem solved. Magnetic rock lights with a 25-year, you break it, they fix it warranty. No questions asked. They have a pure white emitter on their rock lights. The only company that does that. Uh, they don't mix colors to create white. And I can guarantee that they're the whitest and brightest patterns. So, infiniteoffroad.com, infiniteoffroad on Facebook and Instagram. Today's show, we have a superstar. Seriously, guys, a really, really great guy. I really enjoy talking to him. It is the all-powerful Cade Rod, 4,800 driver um, on Team Jimmy's 4x4 or Jimmy's Army. Um, I really had a great time talking to this guy. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. He is going to be a force to be reckoned with very soon in that 4,400 class. So without further ado, Cade Rod. Boom, just like that. We're live. Cade Rod, how are you, buddy? Good, you? Man, I'm so good. 
we had a little conversation beforehand. I'll always tell my guests uh, how lucky and excited I am to be doing this job. This is great. So uh, what are you doing? You're not, uh, you don't seem to be in your normal place. You look like you're traveling a little bit. Yeah, we're, we're actually on our way to the next race in uh, Fernley, Nevada. We had a quick turnaround from the last one in Moab. We had like a week to tear the car down, get it all back together. Oh my gosh. Throwing around, getting everything loaded back up. It was, it was quick, but I mean, everything looked good after the last one. So we're just trying to go out there and hopefully repeat and you know just keep the keep the momentum going yeah absolutely so let me ask you before we get to the, all the car stuff and the prep stuff um tell me a little bit about yourself where do you where do you live what do you do for a job and all that other kind of fun stuff oh yeah so uh, bottom corner of colorado cortez small town cortez it's a uh, it's like a farm town it's nothing big ten thousand people probably uh born and raised there uh, I build off road cars for Jimmy's. That's my normal job. Yeah, that's what I do Monday through Friday. Is I build off road cars and then I get off work. And then I start my other job, which is racing cars, which is actually it's actually where I make most of my money and things like that. But uh, that's actually a part time. You know, so I get off work and then I start prepping and getting ready for the race. So I mean, I live, eat, breathe off road cars. So let me ask you this. How do you, I mean, let's just jump the gun here. How do you go from uh, like amateur to being a professional race car driver? What was that leap like for you? I want to hear your story. You know, it's been, it's been a long time coming to where, where we're at today. And I, you know, every day, every, every time, every year, there's a new goal, a new mission, a new, a new endeavor that you're heading out on and a new accomplishment. So that's something super special about it, mm -hmm. but it's been, it's been a long time. It's not, it's, it's never been what people actually think it is. Everybody looks from the outside, Oh, Kid Rod, Jimmy's, it's easy, blah, blah. But in all reality, it's, it's night and day. Me and Randy nose to the grindstone every hour of every day, trying to get this and make it work. Uh, mm -hmm. Luckily this year and some of last year, it's actually beginning to pay off and it's coming easier to, for me to take off work and not be worried about if I'm going to get paid or if I'm going to, you know, be able to pay my bills. And this year has really, really changed. And so that's, that's something super cool. Yeah. So let me ask you, what got you into the off-road sport? Because, you know, you working at Jimmy's part-time and, and doing the race car thing too, like you don't just step into that role. Jimmy's four by four is is like a worldwide name. And I and one of the things I mentioned to you before we got started was I have followed you on Instagram for a long time. And I like was so new to off-roading. I thought Jimmy's four by four was like the name of your car. Like I, I didn't know anything about it. That's how new I was when I found you. Uh, what did you do to get ready for that position? And what's life like working at Jimmy's four by four? You know, it's actually been easy because, you know, Randy's my dad. I grew up around it. So my parents raced whenever I was a kid. Yeah. So, you know, stepping into it was actually easy. It's nothing different than it has been for the past 10, 15 years. They were pioneers in the sport of rock racing, you know, years and years ago with XRA and 
We Rock, we rock and them, yeah, Shannon Campbell, yeah, JT yeah, Taylor, they were all, you know, in, in the beginning doing it. And when the speech started coming and the car started evolving, you know, I started in a side-by-side and kind of worked my way out. I just wanted to see us in a full-size car and then we built the car we started first race on full-size car towards 16 and uh, King of the We went out and finished, finished after time, but I mean, we had a hell of a day trying to get there. Yeah, fi- finishing at King of Hammers is a victory in its own, for sure, especially it being your first year, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we shattered the front axe into two pieces, and we had to weld it back together with the wrench. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you have been around it for a long time. You mentioned parents racing. Um, when you started in side-by-sides, what side-by-side model did you start in? Because that'll kind of put like a timestamp on it for you. So uh, that would have been 2011 or 12. Yeah. And uh, the, the 900 XP era. I, I we I was in a Rhino, so it's like, oh, you know, like, oh. like forty. And so <laughs> I was told like, and I started in like a bicycle helmet with yeah. just the stock seat belt, like totally would not work nowadays. But yeah. I mean, it was the car out there that wasn't even supposed to finish, and I came across fourth out of like twelve fully built razors and everything. I was like eleven or twelve. So. Yeah. It was something that wasn't supposed to happen, so we started adding the cage and the long arm kit to it. Nothing to the motor. It still topped out at 40, but I mean, the cool thing about it is that you could keep it at 48. That's awesome. That's really cool, man. Uh, where did you race that thing? I mean, was it all over the country or just local to where you are? Uh, whenever I was racing side by side, it was just local. I raced in my hometown whenever uh, We Rock came to town and we raced uh, Cinco de Baja and Albuquerque. And a couple other things like because it probably wouldn't have passed tech for any of the big events, big organizations. <laughs> it wouldn't have made it. And plus, I wasn't old enough to race and all these other ones. So, so when did you decide? Okay, I've had success with the side by side stuff. You know, uh, you, you mentioned that the goal was always to put you in the big car or to get you in that big car. Um, what was that transition like? What was it where you said, or you, your your family said, okay, let's get him in the big car. Let's actually make this a reality. You know, it just, it just, it just started happening. You know, we, we got that chassis for the big car. We built it for Faravani like 12 years before. Yeah. And it sat in his garage, never got built. So we ended up buying it back and just yeah. throwing parts at it when we could afford it. And then just, ended up finishing it right before hammers 2016 so i mean it was it was a long time building that car just like racing and then for like two years before that i wasn't racing the side by side we sold it to help pay for things and i mean it was it was easy it was it it transferred over really well you know like having like racing even the local races going out to hammers i mean it all it all kind of you know what i mean yeah, absolutely. The local racing that you were doing, was it more short course or was it like King of Hammers Ultra 4-esque where you have a little bit of blend of everything? Um, the one in my hometown, Cortez, was a blend of everything, like even like river crossings and rocks and desert. I mean, there wasn't really any short course, but I mean, it was just out on some property that they found that they just 
went out and must have just hit record on the GPS and they're side by side and just made that the course. And uh, so the different disciplines, plus like I grew up wheeling, like we had a kid's buggy whenever I was like eight, that was a full size car, it was on 42 Trepidors. So I mean like we were out wheeling that horse here with me and my brothers. We've been wheeling that since we were kids. So out in Moab and hitting all the trails, Pritchett, Coyote yeah. back whenever it was open, BFE. So that's why, you know, like it's always been a part of us. We've always done it, you know. It's, so let me ask you this. When you guys are building that car and it's taking a little while for that car to come to fruition, um, is there anything in particular that like really makes you enjoy that car or what, what's your favorite part or what was the hardest part? Does anything stand out? Of building the car? Yeah. Like, you know, from – when you guys took it from, uh, you know, kind of just a thought and you guys bought the chassis back, you guys are making it happen. What was the hardest part or, or, you know, was there anything that really stood out to you that made that car unique for you? Um, that one, my first car, it was unique because it was, uh, that was before we were doing production. Mm -hmm. So now we have laser cut chassis that we've, they're the same, you know, we have the brackets that go on and everything kind of goes in the same spot. Uh, that was before that when they were all custom. So, I mean, it's a one-off car. There's cars that look like it and have a lot of similarities, but it was one-off. So, I mean, that was always unique about it. Mm -hmm. But uh, always the hardest part of building a car is the last two weeks. Everybody thinks it's getting started at the beginning, you know, the beginning fab work. Or this. That's, that's easy to keep rolling. It's once you start running into, like, oh, I need to buy this. So I can't do anything today or until the part shows up. And then you get that in and then you realize, oh, I need this, you know? So then it just, it turns into that last, the last finishing touches are always the hardest to get through and not rush. Where do you think that the cars that you guys build, where do they shine best? Are they, are they a rock heavy car? Are they, you know, do they really thrive in the desert? Where do, what do you, what is your opinion on that? On which, which cars? Because, I mean, for example, we have just different chassis designs. We have 15 different cars. We have Whoa. trail cars. We have full-blown rock crawlers. We have... Run me through all cars. of them. I mean, you don't have to run through all of them, but run me through a few of your favorites. Um, Like, if I were to build a crawler right now, I would build one of our RW1s, which it stands for Wreck Wheeler. The first one that we've built. It's a... It's a our lead Our guy lead built guy it. It's a two-seat car, so it's not going to compete in like unlimited class D-Rock crawling. Sure. But I mean, where these guys are putting these cars yeah. is insane. You wouldn't believe it. And those are just full-blown crawlers, you know. Base model, I mean, but that people are getting crazy with them and doing portals and fully TIG welded, uh, anodized links, you know. Big ballers come in and they, they buy these things and we get to make them as badass as we can but those are just the crawlers but then of course you know like the red dragon yeah the most winningest ultra four car since ultra four yeah you know and that car you know it just when lauren had it it dominated i want one that's what i want to build for a 4400 cars i want to build a red dragon and that's coming that's coming. Hey, hey that's awesome man yeah so we we build race cars, solid axle cars, crawlers, trail rigs, 
all sorts of stuff. Is there any difference from the builder's perspective? Like, do you guys enjoy building trail cars or over building race cars? Or is it easy? Is it more enjoyable to build a race car over a trail car or a rock crawler? Um, it's funner building a race car for yourself. It's uh, funner building a crawler for a customer. Just because that would make sense. When typically race car drivers have already been in the industry and they've built cars and everything. So the little finicky, um, I want to move my seat an eighth of an inch forward and mm -hmm. you got to cut everything off and redo it, mm. you know, cause they know how they want it and yeah. more power to them. I'm the same way when I'm building mine, mm -hmm. but I have a lot more drive to do it when I'm doing it for myself. <laughs> but the crawler guys, yeah, the crawler guys, they're usually just like, I'll deal with it and I'll just go wheel the shit out of it and have an awesome time. And so they're usually more grateful and they usually usually have a better time whenever they're snowing up and picking up the car and everything like that. I understand that. So I, I follow this account on Instagram called, uh, they're called Choke Cherry Crawlers. And I, mm -hmm. I just had to go check to make sure that I, I understood correctly. But they run a lot of your cars. And, and man, I have seen pictures of those things so twisted up and like just in the wildest spots. I think it's amazing. Uh, and I, I just wanted to make sure that those were your cars. But man, uh, it's really amazing the finished product that you guys have because um, not only did they come out super functional, but the, it, the, there's the polish of like a professional product, you know, and you can see yeah. it in, in, in all the details that you guys build. Um, what would you say makes, you know, it, it from the builder side, what pushes it over the edge to be that that special professional product that y'all sell? Um, you know, the best the best built cars that we've done are always pretty well because there's always that extra uh, it has to fit so much closer to get a good weld or like a mid welder or something. So all those cars come out fitting better, uh, looking better. It's a cleaner product at the end, you know, there's uh, more attention to detail, but just the welding in it and the yeah. bracket work is what will push it to something other than just instead of two tabs, you know, doing overlay plates and things like that, that really make it look professional is what's going to push it to the next level. It's what's going to push the envelope. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, I, like I said, just a second ago, you know, it's one of those things where you see a bunch of cars being built, but you know when something is like, this came out of a professional shop where you can expect excellence. So I just, I put you guys in that category for sure. Okay, so let's talk about you. Uh, let's talk about your car. Um, obviously you had an awesome performance uh, at uh, the Ultra 4 Area BFE event that was a couple weekends ago. Um, I wanna ask you first, you came to Tennessee, right? Yeah. What did you think? Because that is actually about an hour and a half from my house. And that is a park that I've raced at and I go trail ride at and it is rough. What'd you think? Uh, it was, it was probably one of the more brutal races that I've ever done. Like outside hammers. That's about it. Well, uh, granted it was because of the elements and then, uh, never ran that car as slow because of the tight trees. I've always just, that, that car's only been in, desert situations where or short course situations you know i've never really had it kept under 20 miles an hour in in, in the tight trees and you know, there's not a lot of airflow getting yeah. into the car so i mean the floorboard got so hot that it melted the bottom of my foot and i had to 
hugest blister on it. It came through the seat. So the fatigue halfway through that race of me getting burned and then it started raining on us. It made for an insane day, an insane day. The course was awesome. The course was fun, but it was, it was definitely not something I want to do again. Yeah. Okay. So that was, I thank you for answering my next question. Uh, they, they typically, and I'm going to be a little bit critical of Adventure Off-Road Park here. They have run that course like 10 times. They ran it in the, they, I think they may have made one adjustment in like way back in the woods, but um, they ran that course. I ran a similar course to what you guys did in the UTVs. And dude, it just beats the shit out of you. Like just, be, I mean, my thing in the UTV, I was in the RS1. It was, I had the suspension totally tuned wrong. And after I talked to the guy I got it from, he was like, yeah, I'm surprised your neck isn't broken. I had it way, way set wrong. Anyways, I got beat up from the race. And uh, the big thing about your 4,800 class that you run is the, it, in my opinion, the biggest thing is the tire restriction, that it has to be a DOT approved tire. How does that come into play when you have to drive so aggressively, like at Tennessee, to, to make up time, you know, through those woods, you got to kill it when you can kill it. Uh, how do you, like, how do you conserve the tires? What's your mindset when you're doing that? That's crazy to me. Uh, it would uh, actually yeah, blow your blow mind your how strong those nittos are. Really? Like, yeah, I've, I've driven on a bunch of tires all growing up, but like nothing, nothing compares. Like, honestly, of course, nothing's as good as a competition tire. You know, a DOT 37, I mean, it's it's basic. But, I mean, there's times out there whenever I was hammering and you hit something and you should have gotten a flat. And you'd think that it would have popped a tire, but it would actually blow your mind how tough those tires actually are. Yeah, I, so it, it really dawned on me watching the Area BFE event because – people were getting trashed everywhere tire here tire there tire this and i was just i was just thinking to myself is that do you think the the biggest worry in the 4800 class there are other restrictions but is that the name of the game uh really yeah because you know you're limited to solid axle front and rear 2c i mean you're you're always worried somebody's going to show up with some new revolutionary car that's just going to sweep the yeah. sweep the series but i mean it it hasn't happened yet but really yeah like almost every track we run in ultra four it's a it comes down to who got the least amount of flats or yeah. who had the least amount of problems and coincidentally tires are going to be the first problem and so if you can get a good tire then that's going to be the name of the game. What are your thoughts on anti-puncture and I know UTVs, I think oh, wow. it's UTVs, uh, like flat preventatives, like tire balls and things like that. I, they Ultra 4 used to allow those, correct? Yeah, I used to run them. Okay, so la last year they pulled them out, is that correct? Um, the year before. Okay. Yeah, the year before last they pulled them out. Tell me your thoughts on it and then tell me, you know, like how does it change your driving style? Uh, it, it changes everything. My first year we were running up and uh, I've, I've took, took a hard hit on lap one of a four lap race and not even known that I had a flat tire the entire time with the tire ball. Yeah. And so like the big issue with it, the reason why they got rid of it, I mean, they'll say it's for safety or whatever, but at the end of the day, um, tire balls are protecting the 
tire companies that don't put in and build a good tire. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. it's it's hard to prove product and your tire's durability when the dude next to you is running half the tire, but he has four flat tires, but doesn't know because he's on tire balls. I hadn't thought about it like that, to be honest with you. I, yeah, I had yeah. only I had only thought about it from the driver's perspective, not the necessarily like the proving ground that is the race. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's the point of racing. You know, you know proving proving what your car can do, what your equipment can do, what you can do, and especially in the endurance off off road industry that we're in, yeah. it's literally what can I do to this car and it still survive and make it to the finish, and so. You're trying to put the best stuff in, which is why people were running tire belts, but then it takes away from, you know, the truly great tire companies out there. I mean, my driving style hasn't really changed mm-hmm. for the, even without tire balls, just for the reason that the tire is super, super tough. And on top of that, if I blow a tire, I'm going to run it on the wheel for yeah. 12 miles until I get to the shit. I mean, <laughs> It's a forged vision wheel. I mean, the thing doesn't dent or anything. Yeah, I did Well, see, okay, so that was part of my next question is, you know, guys who don't carry spares in the 4800 class, I was, my thought is like, what are you thinking? You know, you can do that at Tennessee where, you know, you're a half a mile maybe from the pits, but, you know, you can't do that at Hammers. So at Hammers, do you choose to run no spare? No, at no, Hammers, I would definitely run a okay. spare. So Tennessee being a six-mile lap, anywhere that I get a flat, it's going to be faster to me to finish the lap Mm -hmm. and have the pits change. Getting in and out of the car takes a lot of effort, time. You get in, you're exhausted, and then fatigue will hit you sooner. You'll make more mistakes, get more flats. So I just, you know, weight reduction in it and everything was just, that's, that's why we don't run it. That's smart. Did you guys run a spare at Area BFE? Uh, yeah. How far out did you go during that race? It seemed rather contained. It, so you go out, like, really at any given time. You're a mile to two miles away from the pit, and that's at, like, the farthest points. But, I mean, it was like a six- or seven-mile loop, but you go out, and then you snake back right along that trail, and then you go back out, so it just did a bunch of zigzags out there, and then you came back up, so you weren't ever truly far, but out there, the difference is is that they put us in a bunch of really technical rocks, where if you had a flat and you couldn't didn't have the diameter, the right diameter to grab the rock, and you're the rim sinking in the hole, then then that's going to be the determining factor out there, which is why I ran a spare. In Tennessee, it didn't really matter. It was all you had to have your speed going up it because everything's so slick out there. You just you had to have speed. That was that was the biggest thing with all the climbs in Tennessee. Here you have to slow down and it's technical I and mean, you keep momentum. But if you start falling in the holes because your tires aren't there, then you're just going to get stuck. So there's a lot of East Coast guys that listen to this and they will see pictures of Moab online or, you know, even Johnson Valley to some degree. And their, their, you know, their comment is like, wow, look at all the traction you get. And you mentioned the speed that you have to carry through like the slippery rocks and stuff on the East Coast. Could you hit Moab obstacles and Johnson Valley obstacles with that same momentum 
or is is everything just so much bigger? No, yeah, you can you can definitely hit it with sweet speed. That's the same story out in BFE. Was a lot of it like if you let the weight of the car sit down on holes in between the rocks instead of carrying the momentum over it, then that's what's going to slow you down. That's what's going to put the weight on on the tire. Mm-hmm. People think when you're going across it and you're keeping momentum, that's how you're going to tire. It's whenever you stop and you let the weight of the car shift onto that tire in that hole up against that rock. That's how you wear out shafts, diffs, blow tires. Whenever you keep your momentum and the weight of the car moving forward, it's just it's a, a dance over it. So that's what's cool about me racing on the east and then coming back out here to the west is that a lot of that I carried over. And mm-hmm. so like out in Moab, it was all momentum wheeling. All of the hard climbs, as long as you hit them with momentum, you would breeze right through them. It's whenever you tried to butt your front tires on and kind of crawl it that you'd end up on your belly and you'd have to winch or you'd have to triple shot it. Mm-hmm. So that's so interesting because, you know, again, being someone who's never been to Moab or Johnson Valley or anything like that, the only videos you see are guys in either buggies or Jeeps and they're just, you know, half a mile an hour trying to get up something and they'll like spin just a little bit back up and then go from there. Um, and you know, everyone in the comment section has their own opinion. They're like, just hit it, you know, just send it. That's yeah, my favorite yeah, one is just yeah. send it. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it seems like in a race mindset, you would want to just carry momentum anyways. Whereas I see a lot of the guys who are just purely West coast, um, they don't necessarily have that experience. Maybe they, they're more prone to get everything loaded down and, and, and you know, really try and crawl it and be more finesse to it. Uh, I, I saw a lot of that in the live stream that we watched during the race. And not only that, you know, it's like a lot of everybody that grows up wheeling, I mean, you're not going to carry momentum over every climb because it's your crawler. You're not trying to fix it. You're not trying to win a race. You're there to have a good time. You know what I mean? So nobody wants to break their stuff out on a wheeling trip and be that guy that's broken down with all friends that are totally fine because he beat his shit up a climb. Yeah. But uh, that, that corresponds to the race because a lot of these dudes out there racing, they're not trying to break the car or they'll pull off into the pit for a creek or a groan or a leak or anything. I mean, I've never finished a race in the top three and my car not been completely destroyed, completely clapped out, shocks completely faded, went through a couple tires, no brakes, transmission slipping. Like, yeah. That's just the name of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think I want to say something, you know, uh, the reason I, I mentioned that, and you, and you kind of mentioned like guys that are out there with their crawlers just having a good time, don't want to break. You, I've, I'm sure you've seen on Instagram, Facebook, things like that. Guys down here in the East Coast, they just drive it like they're willing to total it anytime. And it's just, that's trail riding. I, I, I interviewed a couple guys where uh, they're local, and I was like, man, why don't you guys like to trail ride anymore? Because all they do is race. And they're like, well, it's hard because I'll go out and I'll see a hill and, you know, I want to hit it. And, to get up it, you have to, you know, drive it like you stole it. And uh, it just seems to have this weird mindset down here where like you go hit it and destroy it. It seems like a very East coast thing and I've never understood it. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but I would be curious to know what do you think being, you know, middle of the country, West coast, 
What do you think when you see guys in the East Coast drive like that? Well, all the stuff on social media. It's it's the greatest thing. And like, I understand that over there, everything is so slick. It just, the rock, the dirt, the hill, everything is just so much slicker than it is out here on the West Coast. So you really, you have to do that to get up, you know? And, uh, but watching those guys just beat their rigs, beat them up those hills, is, it's so much fun to watch. So much fun. It's an awesome show. Okay, well, well I'll, I'll, I'll digress. I'm sorry. Um, talking about area BFE race, um, well, before we get there, how, where did you place in the Tennessee race? Second? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, second. second. We're, we're winning. Elements, elements got a hold of us, and we ended up losing by like 18 seconds on adjusted time. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's close. I was rooting for you, man. And it was, first off, it's amazing how well the live stream was at that event. I'm not sure if you got a chance to go back and watch any of it, but when they had you guys in the woods, it was, it was really clear. It was great. I was very surprised. So hats off to the hammer. They're the ultra four media team. Those guys were awesome. Um, but you finished second at Tennessee and then we go over to the Utah race. What, what did you do to prepare differently? And then what did you do on game day where you come out and you walk away with the W? Really, in the car, we didn't we didn't change anything. I mean, we ripped it all the way down. down. We, we have a, what I like to say, a 4,400 crap. So, I mean, after every race, everything comes out. Everything gets gone through. Key case gets gone through. Transmission gets gone through. Diffs, shafts, unit bearings. Everything gets torn apart. Everything gets checked twice. And uh, so that's that's normal. But nothing really changed with like the car setup to that race it, aside from uh the spare tire um i raised the car up about two inches just to stay off from bellying because the new car has a way wider and way lower belly than the rest of the class mm -hmm. um so going through the rocks and everything it's, it's definitely not a rock car luckily i grew up out there on area bfe so i i've ran all those trails you know for the most part like i know where the lines are and so i think that was the saving grace was that even a lot of the dudes that were locals or close have never been out there because they closed area bfe to the public like three years ago or something so but i mean we grew up out there so i i just had like the backyard advantage i think so we just kept it smooth and cool we knew where the lines were i mean there was nowhere where we were beating the car Mm -hmm. And compared to Tennessee, when I finished, everybody's like, oh, I'm so beat. That that destroyed me. And I was like, I feel amazing. Nice. Tennessee destroyed me. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, it's not kind to anybody. I'll say it like that. Uh, yeah. It's, it's unrelenting. Um, you got the pole position in qualifying, right? Yeah. How – when you look at qualifying at any race, is the goal always to be on the pole for you? Are you a leader, not a chaser? Um. It, Depends on the track. At a place like that, where the passing was so minimal, I mean, it and it was dusty. Yeah. Um, I guess it really depends on who shows up in the track, because if I'm at Hammer, I don't want to qualify first. I want to qualify right behind somebody that's won it. You know, it's like is 
through such a consistently fast all day because that's what wins it so you know like qualifying directly behind somebody that's won it before that knows that pace you just have to catch them and then you follow them and then whenever you're following them you're technically ahead on time yeah but now you're not overdriving the car and braking you're not under driving the car and getting past you know you're kind of basing off of their pace and you know, like if I could go back and qualify directly behind Brad Lovell at Hammers, <laughs> you believe that I would. Yeah. You know, yeah. the dude's won it so many times. So, but at a place where there's no passing, like area BFP, yeah, it's huge. You got to qualify first. Fresh air, uh, no people in front of you that are clogging the trails because one dude messes up. I mean, it turns into a traffic jam. And that happened. That happened during the race and in a couple of different spots and in, in basically all of the uh, all of the categories, uh, 4,400, 48, 49, all that stuff. You had somebody broken down uh, right at, I think it was, was it Twist and Jokers? Is, am I remembering that correctly? What was the obstacle that you guys had to hit at least once? Oh, the Joker line. It was uh, Britney Spears. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, you would see guys down in the main pathway, and everyone have to hit that, and it was just—it's just unfortunate. Yeah, we didn't even pre-run that because it said Joker line, and so at every other race, basically, it's Joker line is 4,400 only. I've never done a Joker line in Culture Four, so I didn't even pre-run it, and it. So I was like, all right, so if I qualify first and I get there. I know nobody's going to be in the way, yeah. one. And two, it'll probably be the least dug out it will be all race. That's it. <laughs> so I'm going to hit it the first lap. And it was, everybody downplayed it, but the UTVs right before, they had to hit it. So they dug it out. They yeah. dug it out so deep that, I mean, I ended up shooting it pretty well, but I heard, heard that the dude that was qualified right behind me, Cody Young, he, he battled it for a while, I'm pretty sure. How big of a lead, or how, let me say this, how much did you win by in this race? Um, unofficially 12 minutes, 45 seconds. Okay, so I, I, I recall it being a substantial amount of time, but 12 minutes, I mean, that's sit down and have a sandwich kind of time right there. That's that's very impressive. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's like where you have to push it. Whenever they, We're running times all day, and they're saying, yeah. oh, you got three minutes, you got five minutes, but in my mind, three minutes some people check up three minutes is one flat tire out there yeah one flat tire you getting out and changing it that's three three and a half minutes yeah and that's yeah. a quick tire change man yeah that's really quick oh man so you, you always have to prepare for the worst so whenever they're like oh you have three minutes you need to check up i was like no no because something's gonna happen yeah yeah absolutely uh, okay, so congratulations on your win there. Uh, I reached out to you, I think, just before that, and I was super excited to have you win, and then I have you on the schedule too because that's always a bonus. Um, getting ready for this next race that you're in transit to right now, um, tell me again where you're going. Tell me what's the mindset for the race, and is this a, is this a big hitter race? Are we going to see a lot of people there, or is this a, a little bit of a smaller race? I don't. I don't know if it's going to be huge. It's a NorCal rock race, so it's not even the same organization. Um, right now, with Ultra 4, we're leading national points going into nationals. Mm -hmm. So that's our main goal. 
So this race, we want to go and we want to go out and win. We want to show up to everyone and win. But at the end of the day, with a quick turnaround to nationals, and we really want to win that. So we're going to try and preserve the car. But whenever the green flag drops, like all of your common sense goes out the window and you just. Okay. So that was part of my question here. I was going to get to it eventually. Do you, do you still get that like manic couple of minutes in the car when you first start the race? Um, so your heart for me, as soon as the green flag drops, I have no adrenaline. My heart is no longer beating fast, which is where people would get the exact opposite. But I'm getting worked up in the lineup, pulling up to the start line, getting ready to go, or even just, you know, the whole week before my heart is racing. But as soon as the green flag drops, it's peaceful. Really? Yeah. That's really unique. So what do you, I mean, what do you, is it just your experience with racing that does that for you? I honestly, I think that uh, it's, I'm running through every possible scenario whenever we're driving up. So that's what's making my heart race. But then once the green flag drops, you're actually not daydreaming anymore. You're focused. So you're, all your attention is on one thing. So you're like, you know, you don't really, I mean, you're generally just going whenever you almost make a mistake at high speeds, but I mean, no, I don't, I don't think it's experience. I mean, it's been like that since the very beginning. I'm super, super excited. Can't control myself. And then once the green flag drops, it's just, it's it's peaceful. Where do you think you shine as a driver? Is there a certain, I mean, do you shine really hard in the rocks with your experience there? Is it, are you a good desert driver or do you feel like you're a jack of all trades? Um, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty good at everything, but I think, uh, the biggest things would be the rocks just because I grew up around it and I grew up in Moab. I grew up wheeling. So I think in the rocks, it would be number one, but, uh, you know, we were partnered with Vaughn, with Vaughn getting junior for a while to where we were all driving around. So he taught me a lot about cornering and how to set the car up and different things like that whenever he came out and was testing with us and things like that. So that's something that's really, really showing now is the cornering ability. And so we got a pro light, which is Lucas oil racing. And I ran that a couple of times. That's going to put you out of corner because that's basically all it is. And so that's something that in ultra four is, I'm, I feel like I'm really good at that. Let me ask you, did you, did you go to Crandon this year? No, I wish. So, okay. Tell me about, I mean, is this something that you are going to try and make next year or is this just on the bucket list or what are your thoughts on Crandon in general? Cause it's a totally different flavor for ultra four. Yeah. Um, I actually next year we're going to hit it in ultra four, but hopefully by next year I have the new pro light bill. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas oil went to that new motor spec LS motor to where the new motor is so much better than what everything else was before. Yeah. I mean, you can just watch the West coast guys that have gone to that motor. Mm-hmm. Um, are just running away with it. So I want to build the new Pro Light, and I really want to race short course there. I mean, I'm going for Ultra 4, but it's been a dream to go there and race world championships in short course. I mean, 
but that's that's the goal. It'll be super fun. That's a huge event. I've never been. I hear it's the funnest event of the year. It's really. It's. I'll have to. Uh, it's so like King of the Hammers. I actually I got a call from a, a company yesterday, and they were asking me if I was gonna. They were really like. They were actually like really pushing for me to be at Hammers this year, and this year was my year to go. And then this summer. I got my wife pregnant. So baby, is due, <laughs> the baby is due February 19th. So I think hammers is probably all. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe next yeah, year. Yeah. I'll say it like that. <laughs> hammers is a good time too. I'm, I'm excited to go to crane and everybody, everybody, all of my friends that have gone, they all say it's awesome. Also next year, Sturgis during bike week. Yeah. That's really cool. That's going to be cool. I've never been to Sturgis. Uh, you know, Moab during Easter Jeep Safari. That one's going to be super, super fun, too. Uh, now, they, is, this, they, is, this, uh, is Ultra 4 going during uh, EJS this year? Yep. Wow. Or uh, next yeah. year, I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah, next year. Moab during Easter Jeep, Sturgis during Bike Week, and then Crandon during World Championships. Wow. Now, how do you – okay, let me ask you this. How do you feel about the current state of Ultra Four, given that you guys have some new massive sponsors with, you know, Progressive and Ford and all those guys, uh, Can Am? Um, how do you feel about where Ultra Four is sitting right now, and, and what do you think about Ultra Four's future as it goes with these massive sponsors? I, I think they've done awesome. You know, I watched Ultra Four start like where they were you know because it started they call them the og 13. yeah have you heard of that story i have i have it's you tell me about it there's some listeners that haven't heard it okay so uh the og 13 is a group of 12 guys that started the hammers they went out and they raced for like a case of beer or something and uh i always wondered why they like I hear Dave Cole and JT Taylor and all them talking about, why did we call it OG 13? I think it just sounded good. I mean, there was only 12 of us, mm-hmm. but it's because they invited 13 people, one of which was my mom and my dad. And it laid over like a week after a race. So they didn't end up going, but they ended up going the next year and every year after trying to race it. So I really watched hammers go from, you know, 10,000 people to 20,000 people to 40,000 people and so on and so forth. So watching it grow and watching Ford and Progressive and Can-Am and all those guys come in, it gets me really excited because it's growing so fast and it's, it's going to eventually be big, really, really, really big. And then they're bringing in the desert world now with the trophy trucks and all that. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's just going to keep growing and keep growing. It'll end up becoming uh, worldwide. They have Great Britain, the King of Britain, King of Portugal, all that, which aren't nearly as big, but I mean, I think they're all well on their way. Once the sport really gets gets the recognition that I think it deserves, yeah. uh, I think it's just going to keep, keep growing. I think as, you know, because Ultra 4 is covered by CBS Sport right now, um, I think as it continues, especially with the recent, you know, uh, mishaps in NASCAR, uh, I think that we'll see Ultra 4 be the umbrella of the off-road racing industry. And I think that, I mean, I might hurt some feelings here, but I think like the Southern Rock Racing Series and the, all the big rock bouncer stuffs, 
will be the stepchild of Ultra 4 as Ultra 4 kind of makes the push into the, the big market and uh, becomes, you know, on Channel 5, on Channel 4 and 2, and these races get televised. I think that uh, it's going to change forever. And and really, when that hit me was last year when they brought the Bronco on and, and you know, all this other stuff, those are huge names. And uh, there's a lot of discussion on the East Coast right now about how to bring big sponsorship in to, to fund it and make it better for everybody involved. And um, no one seems to have an answer on the East Coast. Uh, so you being here and watching it grow, what would you say were the most important steps for Ultra 4 becoming the monster that it is now? I think it's really getting the right people, you know, um, getting the right people with the backing previously. Sure. You know, they brought in Shannon Campbell, super well known, you know, sponsored by Monster, you know. And it once it started going up and going up and going up, and there's a lot, there's a few guys out there that people will get mad whenever you say it, but they're the ones developing the sport. They're the ones pushing the envelope. They're the ones bringing in the sponsors. And granted, they're sponsoring Ultra Four, and Dave's, Dave Cole's doing awesome running it. I mean, he brought in a new president, which is awesome. They're, they're killing it this year. The, the live coverage, every race is awesome. But really, it comes out on the lake bed. Who's responsible for the big sponsors coming in is probably 10 to 12 different dudes. That, That's amazing. Yeah. And they're race car drivers. They're the ones that are bringing it in. You know what I mean? Like, it was always big. And this is going to make a lot of people mad. Go for it. I mad, love but, that. <laughs> but Vaughn coming into Ultra 4 was the greatest thing for the sport, probably. Yeah. You're bringing in huge sponsors like Ford and Monster and all of these, you know, and then you see these mainstream team now, the fun havers, you know, it's so professional and it's such a big setup and flashy and how other race organizations that are super serious do it. And yeah. so it's making everybody else follow in those footsteps, you know, like if I want to be relevant, I have to do that too. And so it's making everybody become more professional and getting us looked at a lot better than, you know, guys out there just beating their junk out in the desert. Hey, that goes for guys out there, you know, thrashing their cars in the woods out here in the East coast. I fully agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but and for, for my East coast listeners who are all upset now that race, I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean that we need more time. That's what I'm getting at. Anyways. Um, I think you're right. I think especially bringing in the trophy trucks, like you mentioned, that's huge too. Uh, didn't BJ Baldwin race trophy trucks last year? Um, yeah, but BJ Baldwin, I mean, the first year Jesse James was there, Bryce Menzies, McMillan, Ampudia, uh, like all the big names were there, you know, so watching them compete super cool and you get all of the desert organization out there and then they have the shootout too earlier in the week which is all the rock bouncer dudes out there just thrashing these hills and that's probably one of the biggest shows of the whole week is the shootout everybody's excited for the shootout that's my favorite time of the week and i'm out there racing yeah that's cool and that's good to know i think that a lot of a lot of the guys um they want to feel represented there and and i think the shootout gives them a nice a nice uh, spectacle, I guess is the right way to say it, because truly that's what that's what rock bouncing is, is, is it's a spectacle. The big hill climbs, they're just it's like Monster Jam. I always I always use that. And 
Uh, it's just this thing where you can sit in one location, watch it all happen, and it's like, woo, you know, it's, it's big, crazy times. Um, yeah, yeah. Everybody that's there sees all the action because there's nowhere else but the one, you know, when the dude rolls, which everybody loves seeing the carnage. Everybody loves seeing rollovers. It's true. Everybody saw it, you know. It's not like, oh, during race day, uh, did you hear 30 miles out, so-and-so rolled. Oh, I missed it. No. That shootout and the rock bouncer shows, I mean, it's, it's a show, yeah. you know. And so that's what you do. When something cool happens and you're surrounded by 10,000 people all cheering and all, all the same thing, that creates a vibe among all those people. So it creates this energy around that show. Yeah, I would agree with you. And and um, I would argue that we don't get 10,000 people at any events here in the East Coast. So the exposure at King of the Hammers is a huge deal. Uh, so let me say this. You've wheeled... Uh, all across the country, from Tennessee to the Valley to Moab to everywhere else, and of Colorado riding, where's your favorite place to ride? And tell me, what would be the perfect trail if you could just have every, every all of your favorite flavors in a trail? What does it look like? You know, um, they're all. They're all great for different reasons. I would say Moab is my favorite, maybe because I just know it so well. I know, I know my way around. Cause like a lot of the other places we go and wheel, we just usually race. I mean, and if we go somewhere and wheel, then we don't know where we're going. We don't know what trails are cool, what trails aren't. Um, but yeah, Moab and probably Pritchett Canyon and Moab has always been my favorite. It's always, it's always been there's spots where it can get really, really challenging, but you can bring anybody you want on the trail because there's bypasses around it. But I mean, you can hit some crazy stuff on that trail and it's just a cool scenery. It's beautiful. There's some high speed sections if you want to. Yeah. So. So let me ask you this. Do you get a chance to do much trail riding? I mean, Ultra 4 doesn't really seem to have an off season. And you're shaking your head no for those who are just listening to the podcast. But uh, tell me about trail riding. Is it something you wish you could do more? Yeah, definitely. It's it's something I really miss because it's how, how we got started, you know, and it's, everything's so serious now whenever you go to the races. But, I mean, you have no time. There There is no time. And you can't take the race car. I mean, the car is back from the race. It's torn down and getting thrown through, and then it's put back together and then taken to the race. So I mean, that's why I want to build a new car. That's just a crawler, full crawler, like rear steer, portals, like whatever. But I mean, you know, it's also finding the time to do that while you're prepping the car and getting everything ready and everything like that. When are you going to stop racing and and get ready for hammers? Um, right after nationals. Uh, so that race is the 23rd yeah, of October. It's not yeah, it's, a few weeks away, but yeah. So what does hammers prep look like for you? Other than, you know, the normal going through the car and everything else, is it a time where you make, you know, move your seat an eighth of an inch or, you know, are you going to do anything like that for this off season? Yeah. Um, we're going to strip it down like I normally do, send off the motor, have it gone through, I'm, rewired. I'm rewiring the entire car, redoing the dash because I don't really like how the layout is, um, going through all of the drivetrain component, um, getting those all freshened up, and 
I mean, the difference is, is that like from regional race to regional race, you're prepping the car and you're doing all this, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, you're re-greasing shafts and you're re-greasing U-joints and all everything. But whenever you're prepping for hammers, I mean, you're taking everything apart. You're taking apart the masters on the brakes. You're taking apart, you're taking everything apart and checking it and you're checking it twice. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, then you're either not going to finish or you're definitely not going to win because the dudes that are out there that are running in the front, yeah. they're, they're pushing the envelope. You watch their prep, it would, it would blow your mind what yeah. these guys are doing. And, but that's what it takes, you know? Mm-hmm. So what, what are you looking forward to the most right now? Cause we're, I'm, I'm, I'm out of questions just so you know, uh, I'm, I've got nothing else, but what are you looking forward to right now? What, what's, what's next on the horizon for you? Uh, we really, really, really want to win a uh, national and then we're going to race 48 one more year. I think, I think next year will probably be the last year in 48. Um, I'm slowly doing the same thing I did whenever I got into the first big car. I'm mm-hmm. accruing parts for a 44 car because uh, I don't, I don't want to try and build it at once and cut corners or do anything that isn't the best of the best in my opinion, you know, because if you go out there and you spend all that money to get there and all that money to build that car and it's mediocre, then it, you know, it, you know, you got to restart. Yeah. Yeah. You Everything is as perfect as it can be, you know, don't brush a single thing on it. So, I mean, we're hoping for hammers 2022. Mm-hmm. And that'll probably be the debut of a new single seat Jimmy's IFS car. How does that feel? How does it feel to say that? Are you, is it exciting? What do you feel? It's super exciting. I've, I've driven a 4400 car before, and they're insane. They're insane. One of my buddies, uh, Shane Chittix from Racing, he bought one of our cars, and it was a 4400 car. He couldn't make one of the races for some reason, and he called me up. He's like, hey, man, you want to race my car? I'll pay your entry fee. I'll bring the trailer down with the car in it, all the spares, everything. You just got to drive it. I'll, yeah. I'll fix it, whatever. So I just I prepped it, and I got it ready and went and raced it, and those things, they're insane. What's the difference? Uh, like with the IFS and then the – the width and everything like they're so more stable in the corners and okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I mean, smoother, like, uh, the rock gardens at the races where they're short course races with the 30, 40 foot of just boulder fields that you're trying to skip across in my car. I think it's smooth. I think it's really smooth. And then I get into one of those on forties with IFS and bypasses and 30 inches of travel in the rear. And you're like, wow, I've, I'm living low on the totem pole here. Yeah. That's, that's the best feeling is like ignorance is bliss. You don't know how bad it is until you get something better. Yeah. And so those things are insane. And and they're so stable in the corners, so much more stable in a solid axle car or any solid axle car I've driven. Granted, my new 4,800 car is super stable in a corner, but that thing, I mean, it felt like you could throw it into a corner through a couch and it would be fine. And it was like, you know, nothing was going to make that thing go over. I mean, granted, there is ways it can go over. We've all seen that. But uh, it's, it, they're, they're crazy to drive, for sure, to say the least. 
Well, cool, man. I'm excited. I can't wait to see the new car. I'll just say it like that. Uh, I know that you guys, you know, you guys built the Red Dragon, and there's been a nice amount of time between those two. So I'm sure that there'll be new new technology you guys are putting in there. It'll only be better. Uh, but that's pretty much all I had for you. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? I think that's it, man. Cool, cool. Uh, you're dude, you're the best, man. Like I said, I, I I went total fangirl before we started the podcast. I've been following this guy for like a million years on social media. And back when I didn't know anything about anything, I found this guy with a super cool buggy. So uh, really cool to talk to you. It's nice to bridge the gap and finally uh, get a chance to get more Ultra 4 guys in here. And not only just a regular Ultra 4 guy, but a winner at that. So uh, anybody you need to give a shout out to? Uh, mostly my sponsors. First off, you know, Vision, Jimmy, Nitto, uh, MVRP, Don Waffle, Hot Fox. But the biggest shout out to my dad, Randy Rod. That dude's the one that started this all. You know, he started all the way back to the shop, to my racing career. He raised me. He's given me everything that he can possibly give. And I'm more than thankful for that. Well, that sounds awesome, man. And uh, I cannot wait to hear how you do this weekend. It's this weekend, correct? Yeah. Okay. I can't wait to hear how you do this weekend. Best of luck to you. And uh, if you don't mind sticking around for a second, we'll end this out. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. If you're not already, the best way to support the show is through the Apple Podcast uh, reviews. Leave us a good review if you enjoy the show. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook and Instagram so you don't miss any more popular interviews. Today's show is brought to you by Supergrip ATV Tires. The Supergrip ATV K9 Tires, the most bananas performing tire in loose dirt, dirt, gravel, general trail riding, dry rock, everything, you name it. It's an absolutely superior tire. If you can squeeze it out of your budget, I highly recommend the Kevlar sidewall option that they have. That is bead to bead Kevlar. Um, they're one of the only people that do that right now. And the K9 tire, C A N I N E, they changed the name spelling there a little bit. Um, that tire is one inch tread depth, eight ply sidewalls, and an excellent, excellent tire to run on your UTV. If you can find a set, get them because they're not lasting long. I can tell you right now that. If you find them, they're gonna be gone quick, so you need to get them. Standard compound is what I run. It's gonna be a little bit more firm than the intermediate compound. Uh, it's gonna last longer. However, the intermediate being a softer tire, you're gonna see better performance. So all of the guys at, at Supergrip ATV have been amazing to the show. I know that everyone that that's, uh, retails their tires will be amazing to you as well. So Supergrip ATV on Facebook and Instagram, supergripatv.com. Dynajet is one of the best in the power business. One thing that I've always been really curious about is the Power Vision 3 tuner. Um, I was someone who never really thought that tunes made that big of a difference until I put a tune on my machine. Because let me tell you, it made a huge difference. I have the Stage 2, which just comes with a... With a um, What's the word I'm looking for here? A standard tune for the for the stock exhaust. It also came stock exhaust option, a Trinity exhaust, and a few others. So right out of the box, I had plug and play power. I run the stage two, which includes a clutch setup and the Power Vision three tuner, and it goes all the way up to stage five, which has boost tubes, blow off valves, clutching injectors, and 
a massive turbo. Dynajet.com, Dynajet Research Inc. on Facebook and Instagram. Next but not least is Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. These guys are awesome. They are your number one source for Mark Williams off-road parts specializing in off-road part sales, shock service, which is what I have done with them. You know, really excited about what we're working on there. Fabrication and wiring and plumbing of all different kinds. One of the most beautiful things that is happening right now is Chris, the owner of Diddy's Big Block Race Shop, is tuning a set of UTV shocks for me, and we're going to get those shocks figured out so he can have a you know plug-and-play valving setup. Basically, what that means is you're going to be able to get in touch with Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. You're going to say, hey, my UTV rides like crap. Chris is going to say, hey, here's the price. Here's our base. You know, here's the base valving. We're going to make it ride 110% better. And then from there, you know, personal adjustments. If you carry weight, if you don't carry weight, if you have, you know, two passengers that weigh 75 pounds or two passengers that weigh 900 pounds, whatever it may be, Diddy's Big Block will give you the personal attention and the customization that you need. Diddy's Big Block Racing on Facebook and Instagram. Last but not least, the owner of i8 4x4 has asked me to do this just a little different than normal, so I'm going to go ahead and go through it. Uh, this is normally where I would talk about i8 4x4. Um, that being said, again, we want to make you aware uh, of Jeff Davidson and his story. Back in late July, Jeff was wheeling his buggy, and he and his passenger were strapped in with harnesses when his buggy rolled on its side and actually exploded. Being strapped in, Jeff was burned pretty badly, about 25% of his body, and there are several um, groups of people coming together to help raise some money for him and his family during this difficult time. There are two major giveaways that they're doing. One is for an extremely nice built rock crawler, and the other is for an extremely plush 48-foot toy hauler. Two beautiful and over-the-top items they will be raffling off. The tickets are limited and the drawings are going to be on October 3rd, so it's coming up very soon, guys. Please get this taken care of now. Not only will you be supporting a member of the off-road community, but you have a chance to win some really cool prizes. Both raffles can be found at irate4x4.com slash Jeff. That is irate, I-R-A-T-E, 4x4.com slash Jeff, J-E-F-F. That's it. Really easy. Go there to get your links. Go there, and that has all the information to get to the raffles, the GoFundMe page, and everything in between. Uh, next on the list is All Things UTV. Let me tell you guys something. All Things UTV has a RS1 diff swap option that you can just order. Comes with the, the actual differential itself. Comes with the mounting plate. It's a really great option. If your vehicle did not come with that from the factory, it's a very sustainable, or should I say attainable, uh, upgrade that you can have for your machine. I really highly recommend it. I'll do it at some point. I'm just waiting for my front end to blow up. So knock on wood that that doesn't happen soon, but it always could happen. Uh, all things UTV has crazy fast customer service speeds and crazy fast shipping. They're one of the best in the business. I highly recommend their Razor Aid tender springs and inner fender liners for higher protection of your vehicle. All Things UTV on Facebook and Instagram and allthingsutv.com. Last but not least, our friends over at Infinite Off-Road want to give you 10% off the entire website. 10% off with code word ROCKS. R-O-C-K-S will get you 10% off the entire infiniteoffroad.com website. That includes rock lights, 
light bars, light pods, wiring kits. Listen, I bought three of their wiring harnesses uh, a couple weeks ago, and man, do they make wiring easy. I have everything on my car going through three switches that I got from Infinite Off-Road. It's been really great. I had a parasitic draw on my battery. I, basically, my battery would just die every couple days, or not a couple days, but you know, every, every couple weeks or so. And uh, it was because I did not have something wired correct, and the previous owner had a bird's nest in there. So I just bought wiring kits from Infinite Off-Road with my 10% off coupon, got them all over here, got everything sorted out, and man, is it better. Also, all of those wiring kits come in with built-in relays so you can do the fancy strobes and all that other kind of fun stuff. It's great. InfiniteOffRoad.com, Infinite Off-Road on Facebook and Instagram.